Hello and welcome to Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake, and in this episode, Lance and I are drinking and talking about the aviation, that wonderful blue gin drink. Things also get a little wild at the end, so hang in there. So, Lance, let's drink aviations and talk about things. Yay! Cheers! Cheers. Ooh, look how pretty. It's like we're drinking Windex. Right? Mmm. See, I don't think there's anything wrong with that drink at all. Mm-mm. 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 Ooh. That's nice. How'd you do yours? Um, <clears throat> I did an ounce and a half of the Corbin sweet potato-based gin. Okay. Uh, I did three quarters of an ounce of Luxardo. I did a half ounce of lemon. And I basically... Add the creme de violette until I think it reaches the right hue. Okay. I don't know how much it is. <laughs> uh, and then shake it up. And uh, I'm using also the Luxardo cherry there at the bottom with a little of the cherry syrup. Sure. And then I drink it. And uh, which brand violette? Uh, Bitter Truth. Oh, fancy. It's the only one I, the only one I like. Which yeah. seems it's kind of ridiculous because the, literally the only thing I drink it in is Aviations, and it's a huge regular size bottle of liqueur. Right. And I'm using tiny bits at a time, and so I mean it'll last me two years or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the I've tried the other one, which is in the tall bottle. Um, the Rothman and Winters. Yes. That's uh, what I, I have don't, here. I don't like the taste that it adds. It's a little bubblegummy to me. It's actually their old school lavender or violet candies that it reminds me of. Mm. A little chalky mints almost, but flower flavored. Yep. And I hear the Tempest Fugit is nice, but it's um, red. It's red. Right. It's not violet. Yeah. So I object to that and I don't want to use it. Uh huh. I understand that it's probably lovely and they did it for the flavor profile but again i'm almost well i guess i do taste it because i do have a preference but i mean i'm really using it for the color i um also have so i did mine two ounces hendrix gin uh because it's a floral gin Mm -hmm. three quarter ounce lemon half ounce uh luxardo and then quarter ounce of the uh violet the rothman and winners Mm mm-hmm so, you had the lemon and the Luxardo flipped. You have a lot of Luxardo in yours. I do, uh, and that's not necessarily on purpose. It's just that half a lemon is half an ounce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I can get two drinks out of one lemon plate, <laughs> half an ounce each. Um, and I think I just overpoured. It tastes fine. Um, I, like I said uh, earlier to you via text, that I prefer a little bit it, it a little more lemony than sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was the thing we found so many variations on this recipe. Yeah, the one uh, the one I pointed you out with the, the that adds yet more simple syrup to it. I think right. I, I don't. Uh, I object yeah. to that. Yeah, I saw several of those, and it seems strange. I uh, put out a call on Facebook to all my bartender friends. And um, at least a couple of them agreed that, like, 
two ounce gin, three quarter ounce lemon, either a half or three quarters of maraschino. Actually, I'm looking at, no, yeah, a half. And then one of them like to add just like a bar spoon of honey syrup just to mm. thicken and mm-hmm. give better mouthfeel to it. Not too much on the sweetening side, I guess. I'm not a fan of honey things, though, so right. I probably would not do that, personally. I mean, the texture of this is sort of fine as it is with the lemon juice. Mouthfeel. But I, I could see like wanting to enhance sort of a thin foam on top from a bit of syrup. Uh, and I know that this, I go on and on about the aviation as, as maybe my favorite cocktail, but I actually don't know much about it. Um, I can't even, I can't even remember where I first had it that I was just so overjoyed with it and then went on the hunt to find the right creme de violette to make uh-huh. the right one. Uh, it must have been, or it might have been, um, bourbon and branch. Mm. That seems likely. Uh, and it would it would be quite a ways back, and I haven't been there in quite a while. So, I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw a dart at the wall and say it was Bourbon and Branch, <laughs> and uh, generally and probably it was a uh, bartender's choice. Okay, sure. As I said, I like citrus and I like gin, mm-hmm. and this hits both of those spots really well. I've also had uh, when I've said that I get uh, generally uh, a. A last word or a uh, <laughs> the word zombie always comes. No, corpse reviver. Corpse reviver, which is kind of a zombie, uh, <laughs> but it's not a zombie. Right? Yeah, corpse reviver number two. Number two. Do they even? Does anyone make number one? I don't think so. No. So it's I, just. Corpse I, I've seen the recipe, but yeah, I think everybody means number two when they say corpse reviver. Those are the three gin drinks that. Uh, were included in the rainbow of dealer's choice cocktails at Oak at 14th I told you about previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't lose with any of those. Right. Super good. Uh, and I brought along this this book, which I also mentioned, uh, the very opinionated bartending book, The Dim Light Bar Guide uh, by Jack, air quotes, the hat, <laughs> Yagubian. You can see him, illustration there, wearing his hat. Wearing his hat. Always. I assume he always wears his hat. There's um, not a whole lot about him on the internet. Um, that's probably not unusual. Uh, this is the this is uh, second edition. Uh, his forward notes that he uh, wrote the first one 16 years ago. Actually, now 18 years ago because second edition came out in 2014. So I can see probably why he was so opinionated. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being opinionated, and there's nothing wrong with uh, having a different opinion. But I did want to bring up his very, very low opinion of mixology, mixologists, and the uh, cocktail revival uh, of so, which... Yeah, is is that opinion something he had when the first edition came out? Or is this... Like, how contemporary is this opinion? Like is, um, is this... Well, in, again, in his, I assume that it was. Uh, how how long ago? Well, so like Milk and Honey started when? Ooh. Which I would say is the birth of it, right? Sure. Well, I mean, it's 
milk and honey is definitely the birth of like craft cocktail. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people were calling themselves mixologists uh, back in the flair bartender days. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he he notes that the things that he added in the second volume uh, were he he initially wrote the first for drinking people, but it was mostly bought by drinking professionals. So he felt like he missed his target, so he wanted to update it. Um, and let me see here. I, I just read what he oh he added three new chapters credit cards beer snobbery and mixology so in fact the mixology is later and also beer snobbery seems beer snobbery that that's also a fairly recent development i think Mm -hmm. so uh, i you know as i said to each his or her own but oh my gosh this this gentleman really has no time for cocktails such as the one that we're enjoying now right which i would love to get into with you because i know that you have definite strong opinions about this i i think i've come out before saying i think the term mixology and mixologist is is sort of i don't really like it either it's kind of boozy i i just think you know you're you're a bartender and you're making good drinks i don't know that you need to be a mixologist to make better drinks oh that's why you know, I I label myself the stay-at-home bartender, not the uh, home mixologist or whatever. Because yeah, it's it's you're trying too hard if you actually refer to yourself as a mixologist. I think. Uh, and he has a lovely illustration here of uh, style versus fashion in a cocktail, where style is an olive, fashion has quite a lot going on with yeah, it. Yeah, a bunch of flowers and leaves and things. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get into that later. So. Just because you asked, uh, it looks like Milk and Honey was established in 2002. Okay. So around the time that this book came out, in fact, initially, Mm -hmm. but probably not a movement per se, and certainly not here in San Francisco yet. Yeah. And uh, I I love the house rules of Milk and Honey. Are you familiar with them? I'm familiar, but, but recite them again. Okay. So rule number one is no name dropping, no star fucking. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> yay okay rule number two is no hooting hollering shouting or other loud behavior mm-hmm. and that was very practical because the location of milk and honey was surrounded by people trying to sleep um it was like in a residential building i believe and it was part of the agreement that he would even get the space was that he had to keep it quiet I'm, yeah yeah uh so Rule number three is no fighting, play fighting, no talking about fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Rule number four is gentlemen will remove their hats. Hooks are provided. Mm -hmm. Uh, Five, gentlemen will not introduce themselves to ladies. Mm. Ladies, feel free to start a conversation or ask the bartender to introduce you. If a man you don't know speaks to you, please lift your chin slightly and ignore him. (laughs) uh number six is do not linger outside the door again because of residential neighborhood vibe seven is do not bring anyone unless you would leave that person alone in your home nice that's yes wow okay you are responsible for the behavior of your guests uh and finally exit the bar briskly and silently 
People are trying to sleep across the street. Please make all your travel plans and say all farewells before leaving the bar. Now, do you know how uh, people even heard about it? Uh, I, I assume uh, it, it wasn't in a fashionable neighborhood, so to speak. It wasn't, there was no sign outside even, as I recall. Yeah, I really don't know. It would seem to be a kind of place where he wouldn't want to advertise and he wouldn't want it to be popular. He'd want the right sort of clientele, the people who agree with his point of view, and... So I'm wondering, did 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 he start with the rules, or did the rules come about later? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the rules, like I said, were mostly practical because of the location. Like we need they, a we need a um, what's what's a free person who does your your chores for you and um, uh, an intern intern. We need an intern <laughs> to research these things for us and make our drinks. Frankly, mm-hmm. that would um, be helpful, actually. Although, yeah, exactly. I, I do enjoy making my own drinks. I do too. I just I as the words came out of my mouth, I was thinking, mm, you know, there are people I don't want making my drinks. <laughs> They're not as careful as I I feel that I am about and, and which which is going back to Mr. Yagubian. Uh-huh. Uh he even objects to the measuring of ingredients into a cocktail. He believes you should just be Pouring them in there. Oh dear! And just kind of no- well, maybe that's why he objects to mixology because it—I mean—it does take particular balances to get all of those ingredients right. Right. But I think he, just judging by the 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 way that he talked about mixology, it's he wants a drink to taste like liquor. He wants a martini. He wants a shot of whiskey. He doesn't want it to be masked by the other things, which he feels is what mixology is all about, is making a cocktail palatable to people who don't like liquor. Which, yeah, I don't understand that because so many cocktails that I make and drink are very strong and very peculiar. Like, I I drink challenging cocktails quite Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that argument holds water, really. What what would you what would you term a challenging cocktail? Oh, you know, all all the weird sort of Negroni variations I get into just mm. be, uh, just because I love all the bizarre Amari and all that stuff. Um, but I'll, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Is is that he's saying particularly it's the taste of alcohol, not necessarily the bitterness of a Campari or the herbalness of an Amari, but the but that alcoholic taste. Either the I don't think it's the burn necessarily, but you know, there, if you drink vodka, right, you're drinking alcohol. If you're drinking gin, you're drinking vodka with botanicals. But there is a when you're drinking it straight, it's it's definitely got an alcoholic taste. Sure, I drink I, don't, I drink whiskey neat all the time. But that's right. not a cocktail either, or mixolid mixolid. Right. Mixol. I don't know. What's a mixology drink called? A mixol mix mixol mix. I, don't I, know. I think they're all cocktails. Losing <laughs> it. Um. So, I not that I'm I'm not saying it's a valid point. In other words, I'm not saying that the point of these cocktails is to hide that taste or flavor, or that that flavor is better than the cocktails themselves. But I do think that, by and large, a lot of the specialty cocktails do a good job of uh, masking that alcoholic flavor. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. All right. But, I mean, like, a Manhattan and a Martini are boozy drinks. They taste like booze. But 
to his point. So his point is th- those survived. Oh, those the, have those, been those are allowed by his rules. Those yeah. because they because they weren't revived. They haven't been brought back. We didn't lose an ingredient, and we had to bring it back to make this particular right. drink. Right. His opinion is the the classics really are classics because they lasted and people like them and they still drink them. Mm-hmm. The new classics, which have been revived, were forgotten for a reason in that they weren't very good, is his opinion. Well, so another friend of mine answered my Facebook query about, like, why are there so many recipes? Um, by pointing out that, you know, ingredients change over time. So, like, creme de violette is not the creme de violette that they were using in 1916 when the first recipe was published. Mm -hmm. So his notion of like, these are just bad tasting cocktails is probably based on the fact like they do need to be rebalanced. The recipes need to be shifted for the ingredients that we have now. Mm -hmm. And he's probably not doing that. I don't think he's doing that. I don't think he even makes them. I'm, I'm judging by his distaste and and and. Well, that's what I wonder too. Like, has he actually spent time? Like, did he go to Milk and Honey when it was open and like experience that hospitality and that level of cocktail? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure the answer to that is gonna be no. Uh, he also makes fun of ice. The 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 trend of making specialty ice and mm-hmm. giant cubes and and clear clarify. Clear, clarified ice um, oh, it's hard <laughs> he he does he compares them also with tiki bars okay yeah in that in that the tiki bars came around in the 50s and were a huge thing were everywhere and then suddenly were nowhere and again to his way of thinking that is because those drinks also require a, a, a lot of ingredients and a lot of time to make and people didn't care and they just wanted to drink they just wanted a martini frankly well, I mean, the fact that tiki drinks do take a lot of work and do take a ton of ingredients, um, I think is part of the appeal of tiki drinks. To go to a tiki bar and have somebody do it for you. Yeah. You're not going to make it at home. I do, but... <laughs> well, I, do you really? I do. In With the, the umbrellas and everything? In, in the summertime, I go crazy. I crush up ice and wow, make a zombie. That is a, that's a lot of work. It is. The but, most work I ever go to probably is a Ramos. Ramos is also a lot of work. Yeah. And I went through a Ramos phase where I was doing them fairly frequently because you discovered it, or I discovered it, and it was so amazingly good uh, that I kept making it. And they are impressive when you pour them out and the foamy Absolutely. top. And yeah. It's a beautiful drink and delicious. But I probably haven't made one in a couple of years. Um, right. Lately, I've been making a bunch of 20th centuries um, because I went to... Tosca here in North Beach and had a had a uh, bartender's choice or they called it something else. I think they called it dealer's choice. And I can't remember the first one that he served me, but the second one was the 20th century. And it's it is the weirdest combination of ingredients that I think I've like if I would look at the how to make one, I would think, no, I don't. That's not really in my wheelhouse. I feel but, like you shared the recipe recently. Uh, probably, um, uh, it is two to one to one to one. So it's two of gin to one of creme de cacao, one of lemon and one of coqui americano. That sounds bizarre. Yeah. It sounds like, no, don't put those (laughs) together. 
Mostly but the creme de ca cacao doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Um, but to people I've given it to, and, and it, it is a delicious drink. Um, uh, my friend Terrence said... It's also, like, that's a big cocktail, if you're saying two to one to one to... Well, I mean, you ounces. can do one ounce of gin and a half and a half and a half. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So it doesn't have to be two to one to one to one. I'm just saying it's one part, one part, one part. Yeah. Two parts. Ratios. Uh, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and I think I do do one ounce of gin. Do do I do do, do, do. one ounce of gin to half half half? And oh, my see, friend, uh, imbibe actually cuts down the creme de cacao. I can see doing that, um, but to me, that's its signature. That's mm -hmm. why it's the twentieth century. That's why it, they also use Lillet Blanc. No, do not use Lillet Blanc. I would. I, I they're used because it's so in the old. It's an old recipe. And uh, the ingredient they used was the old Lillet that they don't, you can't get anymore. Right. And so they thought, well, Lillet Blanc, it's made by Lillet and it's right. the closest thing to it. But Coqui Americano is close. You, you need that apparently because there's some Genetian in it. Gentian, yeah. Gentian, thank you. That adds uh, a, a profile, a kind of interesting signature. Yeah, it's, it's that grassy, bitter note. That, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so... It is, and of course, it's going to change also depending on the on the gin that you're using. I was I've been using um, Uncle Val's, mm -hmm. um, which we've said before is just a crazy gin. It's, it is a crazy gin, <laughs> but it works really well in this cocktail. Maybe because there's so much the other weird stuff going on, um, and you need something that's that's a bit forward to mm -hmm. compete. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that... Are you, you're using, uh, like, who? Tempest Fugit Creme de Cacao or what? Yes. Okay. Tempest Fugit Creme de Cacao. I also made it by mistake with Creme de Mint. I saw that, yes. How'd which, that work out? <laughs> uh, it also tastes... It wasn't, it wasn't like throw down the sink bad. Uh -huh. But it's not necessarily something I would probably keep in my repertoire... Unless you kind of like lemon and mint together, which isn't a bad combo. Right. Um, but just like the creme de cacao, the mint is the, the one thing you can pick out. Right. So it, it's a little, there's a little too much. Maybe if you cut back on it um, or, I, I don't know. I could almost imagine like doing cognac instead of gin with the creme de menthe. And it's sort of a stinger, fancified, mm. Mm. fancified stinger. I don't yeah. know. It might work. Might work. Why not? Why not give it a chance? Um, but uh, so the flavor profile, my friend Terrence said it's a it's drinking a Tootsie Roll. That's really bizarre. Yeah, it is really bizarre. The chocolate definitely comes through. It there's a sweetness, but the the lemon balances it out, and then all of the other little things come back on the back part of your tongue. It's a really good drink. It's very. It, 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 again, it's one of those I would serve to people who say they don't like gin. I would say, well, try this. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in my Facebook responses, there's actually a lot of sort of backlash on the aviation. Some folks don't like it. What? Yeah. One bartender who is one of our better bartenders in town uh, said he would prefer to drink the casino any day over an aviation. Mm. In a I'm not not familiar. He he specifies the casino as two ounces beef eater, three quarter ounce lemon, three quarter ounce maraschino, two dash... Skino. Skino. <laughs> You're right. Um, maraschino, 
two dashes, orange bitters, and an orange twist, which hmm. sounds pretty lovely. But it's not an aviation, but it's not. And it's not blue. And we should, we should say that there are recipes for aviations that don't include creme de violette at all. There's just right. lemon maraschino and gin recipes. Because it was left out for a long time because we didn't have it. Because we didn't have it. But we do have various, various bottles of it now. So Yeah. Well, I, I will give the casino a try. The, I found another. So bittertruth.com uh-huh. uh, has a casino cocktail which calls for two ounces of gin only one-eighth ounce of lemon juice, one-eighth ounce of maraschino, and a dash of orange bitters. So it's a, it's a ton of gin and just a whisper of the other stuff. That seems really bizarre. And that's also like a two-and-a-quarter-ounce cocktail. Like, that's a little shot. Then my, my other friend, Griffin, who is hilarious and works in Boulder at a place called Bramble and Hare, is one of my favorite places, He's, he specified... For the aviation, two ounces gin, three-quarter lemon, one-half maraschino, one-quarter creme de violette. Build in a shaker, then carefully pour it down the drain. The gin should kill any fruit flies, and the maraschino and violette mix provides an excellent aroma for cleaning your sink. (laughs) Gentlemen, no, you're wrong. It's a delightful drink. It's a beautiful drink. People love it. I'm almost done with mine, so I must like it. I'm down to my cherry. as. As, as they say. Mm. Do they say why they object to it? Or no, they, they just, don't. Mm. Well, and the one of the links you sent me was like, do you love or hate aviation? So the, it seems to be a polarizing cocktail. And I don't know if that's just the gin thing, because gin itself is polarizing. But I'm No, I don't think it's the gin thing, because obviously bartenders like gin. They're bartenders. If you, that if is bartender, true. I can't believe a, there's a bartender alive who doesn't like gin. No, please. We've already talked about that. Don't be a bartender if you don't love gin. Um, I'm at, where am I? The, the Kitchen, lacking a final E.com. And they have four forgotten gin cocktails, one of which is the aviation. The others being the gin sour, which is basically gin, lemon juice, and simple syrup. Okay. Uh, the, yeah. the, Fit, the Fitzgerald. Okay. I've two heard o- of that. Two, two ounces gin. It's actually... It's a gin sour with Angostura in it. Sure. Uh, and the casino is mentioned down down near the end. And yeah, the casino. So the casino looks like it's an aviation without the creme de violette. Pretty much. Well, and orange bitters. And orange bitters, which um, makes me want to try some bitters in my aviation and see what happens. Yeah, I'm actually going to try a different gin. I might even try a different violette because I do have two. Mm. Although the other one is red. And it's also more subtle. Okay. I really like the fact that the Rothman and Winters is at least noticeable. Even though it's bubblegummy kind of candy flavor, mm-hmm. you actually taste the violet flavor. Like, it's mm. there. This this other one is made locally in Colorado. No, in Golden, Colorado. And it's, it's more subtle. It's actually really excellent just on a rock and mm. sippable like that. Um, not, not too syrupy? Not at all. Hmm. So it doesn't really stand up in an aviation quite as well. So that's going to be a game time decision. I wanted to look something up and I forgot it. What were you talking about like 20 seconds ago? Uh, the Fitzgerald, the Fitzgerald. Gin Sour. Yeah, so there's a cocktail called the Southside. Let's see if I can find it. And I feel like it was just a recipe that some blogger made up. 
and I happened upon it, and it called for making lavender simple syrup, mm-hmm. which ever since I found this cocktail, is something I do annually. Every time our lavender bushes bloom, I'm out there picking bundles of flowers so I can make simple syrup because it's delightful. But it's it's I feel like it's just gin, lemon, a little bit of simple syrup. So it's it's and Angostura. Mm. Like it's pretty heavy on the Angostura, as I recall. And I don't know if I'm I don't know if Southside is the right thing. Is it an older cocktail? No, I, I, I honestly believe like this cocktail blogger person just made up a, a recipe oh. and named it. So maybe it was based on the South Side, which seems to be an established recipe, but theirs was like the East Side or something else like that. I'm just putting ingredients into Google and see what happens. Oh, and mint leaves. Yeah, no, this is kind of like it. That is the thing. You, you put some mint in the shaker, double strain it out. So you get the mint, the lavender, gin, lemon, sugar. It's a great drink. But you don't muddle? You just, you just stick the leaves in? Yeah, they get shredded by the ice. Like that's mm. that's all you need. Okay, I like the fresh mint. I do too. Should we dive into second dose? Seems like we're a little ahead of schedule, but yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, well, because I'm out. Me too. And I need I, I need I need one. I'm gonna I'm gonna I won't tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do something. Me too. I'm going I'm, I'm to see what I decide to do. All right. All right. I'll see you on the flip side. Yep. So shall I go first? You go first. Uh, I switched my gin to the botanist. Mm-hmm. I accidentally upped the creme de violette. Mm-hmm. So I did two ounces botanist, three quarter ounce lemon, half an ounce of each, the maraschino and the creme de violette. So it's kind of a dark blue, and uh, it's actually delicious. Mine, I uh, went to, I also changed up my gin. I went to the, the Uncle Val's. Mm. Uh, so I used two ounces of Uncle Val's. I used. I went down on the maraschino to a half ounce. I went up on the lemon, and I added lemon bitters. And uh, same same kind of violet. And this is not an aviation. No. So the lemon bitters add sort of a lemony peel mm-hmm. taste more than a lemony juice. Um, and I probably would would tweak the maraschino back up a bit. It's yeah. a good cocktail. Sure. It's it's um I probably also overdid the bitters. Right. Pro- probably shook them in there a little too much. Um I I would recommend trying it though because it's if people think a, an aviation is too sweet, this is a good variant. Okay. Interesting. Mine is uh when when I realized my mistake with the uh, violette I was like, well, the botanist is not a floral or as floral as, say, Hendrix, which was my first one. That is true. You know, it's it's more of a dry gin. So I figured I was going to be okay. And uh, I, I think I am. And I think this still counts as an aviation. 
Yeah, if I served this to someone, I couldn't call it an aviation anymore. I think the bitters change it to the extent that it doesn't taste like an aviation anymore. It looks like one. Sure. But I don't know what this would be. A, 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 a sour skies or something. I don't know. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound good. But Well, so if you drop the maraschino, you have a blue moon. Oh, just gin, lemon, and... Violet, yeah. Uh, no, it's not it, the the again the it's not lemon juice. It's it's going towards the the bitter sort of peely pithy right. lemon. Um, and I think I've lost the maraschino in the mix. Mm-hmm. Probably by, by pulling it back too much, or maybe it's the Uncle Val's is also you know a weird gin. So it, I it, and I yes. I pumped that up as well. So in, I'm 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 not unhappy, but I'm not happy. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> if that makes sense. I'm not... I don't know what I am. I'm just going to drink it. Sure. You've got quite the little uh, dollop of cherry syrup. Don't I? Isn't that lovely? I'm at the bottom of my jar. I have to get some more. Mmm. Yeah, I think I'm actually pretty close, too. Do you Do you have the problem with the uh, Luxardo cherries when, when the syrup crystallizes sometimes? I don't keep it in the fridge. Oh, really? Room yeah. temperature? Yeah, I just keep it in the cupboard with all of my other liqueurs, uh, and they seem to do fine. Is am I supposed to put it in the fridge? Am I gonna am I gonna regret this? No, I I, I personally worry about it like growing mold or something at room temperature. But I have never run into that problem. Not not like the olive snot that I had the last time we spoke. <laughs> It, it seems to keep pretty well, um, maybe because there is so much syrup. Uh, maybe. But yeah, I just I don't refrigerate it because of the crystallization thing, which is weird to me. I guess it's okay. I mean, it's just sugar. Right. Um, but it also, to me, I like uh, the room temperature cherry. It's just nicer to chew on. And, and um, it, it, I, when I've refrigerated them before they get to me uh kind of a waxy texture that i don't like see i kind of like the snap they have when they're cold Mm. yeah to each his or her own indeed indeed no i keep the things that i keep in my fridge are all of my um vermouths and amari uh i keep all of my liqueurs in one cabinet and the gin and the vodka are in the freezer Whiskey's in another cabinet, and then my <laughs> and then my um, things I can't fit into the cabinets are on on my sink at this point, which are generally the, like the latest things that I bought, which is good because then I'm reminded, oh, I bought these and I wanted to try them. Right. Um, I just got some. I know this is an ingredient I think every bartender should have, but I've never used it, which is uh, hearing cherry. Oh yeah, cherry hearing is. Uh... You need to make yourself a blood and sand post-taste. Which is, I've had one, but I don't remember what, it's whiskey? It's scotch whiskey, usually a blend. Okay. uh, Sweet vermouth, cherry hearing, and orange juice. Wow. It it is much better than it sounds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess guess we should, I should really experiment more, because I don't, I, I, I do tend to look at ingredients and think that, doesn't seem like it's going to work. And Blood and Sand, 20th Century, there are plenty of probably other examples of cocktails that on the face would be, seem to be a horrible idea. But when you put them in your mouth, you're like, oh, that, mm-hmm. 
that totally works. And a lot of people hate Negronis, and they're wrong, but... Oh, um, so wrong. So yeah. wrong. <laughs> and are they having another revival? I keep reading articles about the, the Negroni revival. I don't think they ever went away, but... No, I, I think it's ongoing. Like, this is... just just keeps being revived over and over? This, this is a three-year Negroni re- <laughs> revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't ever really go away. Um, I, I I will admit that I had a prejudice against it because it's my ex's favorite drink. Uh-huh. And so I sort of had to dislike it for a while. <laughs> just in reflection. It's, you know. it's just the easiest, most perfect summer drink in particular, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, dr- I drink them year-round, but they make me so happy in the summer. Because you can just build them in the glass on the rocks and go. Just and sit on the a, porch and drink your Negroni. Is there a perfect winter drink? Or uh, spring, for that matter. Winter, that I think of Manhattans. Hmm. I, 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 for whatever reason, and my wife agrees, but whiskey is more cold season and gin and even rum or tequila are more hot season i would say one drink that i would like that that probably takes more work than it should that i would like to perfect is a a hot butter rum because every time i have one of those at uh say uh smuggler's cove or pretty much any place that i have it i always just it's just so warming and delicious and great and that's like with the batter and all that. It is with the batter. Yeah, you you everybody it, everybody has a, it's it's like the Colonel's secret recipe. They won't tell you what's in their batter. I'm going to say something nutmeggy and cinnamony and other spices that they just sort of you know squish into the butter and then they just put a lump in the cup and pour the hot rum over the top, mix it together. It's it's just so satisfying and and it it it's evocative of like how how you want to feel after sex. It's it's just it's comforting and and you know, ooh, boy, because you don't always feel great after sex. I that, maybe that's me, but <laughs> and you but, want to. But this is this, this is good. the warm cuddling after sex. That this you is the warm for. cuddling after sex. Yes, it's 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 and you did it right, and everybody's happy. Yeah. You know, every, everybody every, shared. Every, everybody got what they needed. Just satisfied and super good cuddly. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, that is hot buttered rum to me. That's um, what it means to me. Now, um, David Wondrich says, "Don't bother with the batter." And you scoff at that. What does he? Does he just say hot rum? I I sent it to you ages ago. Last time you were talking about hot buttered rum. Um, oh, he just said butter, right? I think so. Yeah, just butter and rum. Like he, he I think he's you know using allspice gram or something like that to get the spicy flavor. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, rather than mixing it into the butter, I buy that. Um, I I do like the sort of idea that everybody's got their own batter that they don't want to share and that mm. you go to this bar and you get the... Because literally uh, at Smuggler's Cove, they usually have like three batters. Like they've got their house batter and then they might have a special monthly batter mm-hmm. and they've got another batter. And yeah. you can mix and match and have different batters. See, knowing me, I would do the batter just winging it every time. And it would never be the same. Yeah, me too. 
or I'd forget something, something mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or they'd specify, no, you can't use powdered cinnamon. You have to use a cinnamon stick. And you you grate it with a microblader, and yeah, you roast it over the fire and fire roasted cinnamon stick grated bits <laughs> in your batter. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh, of the other, you know, in, I'm trying to think of other ingredients that people you you make a lot of them at home for yourself. You you've been making bitters, but you said you kind of cut back on that. Yeah, and um, I was going to mention since. I brought it up. Uh, Allspice Dram is a great like home project to make. Um, and how would you go about doing that? Oh, you look up on the internet. Mm. <laughs> no, no, Jake. <laughs> this is this is the world according to Jake, <laughs> not the world according to Wikipedia. No, I mean, you, you you find a recipe. Um, I'm sure Morgenthaler has one. I'm sure Wondrich has one. You know, find a trusted source and use their recipe. Basically, it's allspice berries, the dried allspice berries, and some other things. You put them in a jar. You pour a high-proof spirit on top of them, probably rum, usually. Like a 151 rum or something like that. Okay. And you just sit the jar on your shelf. And every time you walk by that shelf, you shake the jar. And you leave it there for three weeks or however long and then you have this allspice dram that is such a key component to great tiki cocktails in particular Mm -hmm. but also is a really great shortcut to an awesome hot toddy Mm. are you you're are you still in the winter up there in colorado is it still snowing uh so colorado seasons are so incredibly fucked these days um, it's 70 degrees <laughs> in March. <clears throat> we'll, we'll have a foot of snow in two weeks, just randomly, and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll melt in a day. But yeah, uh, so no, it feels like spring these days. Yeah, we've got the, well, I can't remember what they're calling it, atmospheric river just sending us rain, which we need. The Shasta Lake was down to, I don't know, three feet. Now it's overflowing. And Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so just well, going from extreme to extreme. It's, it's, part of it is that um, I think everything was so dry that the land's not even being able to soak anything up. It can't up, absorb so it, yeah. It's just flowing all into the rivers and, and, and lakes. Or, or there, it, it has rained inches of rain, which is unusual for us. Um, and, and, you know, nobody's complaining, but... We're all worried that this is an anomaly and we're just going to go back to the forever drought. Sure, and uh, the heavy rains all at once tend to encourage lush undergrowth, which uh, then dries out and becomes fodder for wildfires. Well, what everybody's excited about here is it's morel season. Yeah. And everything's damp. So they're really excited that we're going to have a good morel season. And um, I don't know what you know about morels, but apparently the morel hunters have their secret places that they go. Yes. Because you can't, you can't cultivate them. Surprisingly, they grow in Colorado, too. I was shocked. But I love them. They are, they are really good. Well, I mean, they are tailor-made for absorbing butter and co- <laughs> copious amounts of butter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just like get get some nice pasta and get it al dente yep. and then mix it in there and oh, 
we, super good. We bought one batch of morels that was filled with little worms. It was weird. Mm. Not so it's, appetizing. No, not really. Uh, there's a there's a mushroom, I guess, fungi store in the ferry building here that doesn't that they sell truffles and mushrooms and. When it's morel season, they they'll send out an email saying we got some in because apparently again, people people have to go out and find them. They do, and the, then those are like, all hand harvested in the wild. Crazy! They what are, year is this? <laughs> that's pure hunt and gather type of situation. Um, so I have to I have to remember this week to go over there and check it out because mm-hmm. um, I think they did send out the email and like most emails, it just went into the dumper. Sure, sure. Too many things. I I need to send you. Have you seen? Did in 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 your research for aviation recipes? Did you see the Aviation Gin official website's recipe? I did. Which is um, Ex- explain to me the color of that cocktail because oh let me let me look. I just sent it in the Slack there. Oh, um. They have a beautiful cocktail glass and a beautiful pick for the cherry, uh-huh. but that color doesn't I, make sense to me. I wonder if they, well, the cherry is also black, which mm. to me it is. Yeah. I wonder if they just color corrected it and did it wrong. Yeah. So you you just think that's a Photoshop mistake. You don't think. I, I do. Like, it's yeah, that's not the color of my, no, that's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's very turquoisean. It is. I wouldn't know how to get that from Creme de Violette. No. None of the Creme de Violettes I've had experience with. I, I, yeah, I wonder if somebody saw this, this blue cocktail and like, that does, that can't be right. <laughs> it's got to be blue curacao or something. I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to blueify that. <laughs> <laughs> blueify. Not, Yeah. And they're the ones who put the simple syrup in there. And they're aviation gin. They're they're named after the cocktail, I assume. Right. Or something. Or but something. I love their bottle. Their bottle's lovely. Their bottle is excellent to pour from. Like it's easily grippable. Oh, and it looks pretty floral. If you look at their what they're they they've got some lavender going on and and orange peel. Uh I don't know what the other thing is there. Something brown is in it. There's brown things. What? <laughs> There's like a, they have this illustration of a of a tray by next to the bottle, and then the tray's got some of the botanicals in it. And I see the juniper, and I see the lavender, and I recognize some sort of peel. What, what, you, say, what page are you looking at? Uh, I'll send it to you. Botanical democracy. I, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because there's lavender, there's cardamom, juniper, sarsaparilla. Which See, I, I don't. They're just brown things to me. I don't know what these are. Coriander, anise seed, and dry. Are you are you reading or are you making this up? No, I am reading. Oh, okay. Because on the picture, I can't tell. If you go to the, uh, yeah, you went to beginnings. Go to botanical democracy, and they actually explain it all. Oh, look there, dried sweet orange peel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Versus right. bitter orange peel, which is what is used in, say, Campari and whatnot. Oh, I didn't know that. So does somebody... I guess they come from different oranges. Nobody's tasting the peel. This right. one's sweet. So or maybe to, they are. The morel, the morel pickers are also tasting the orange peel by hand. 
I have to say. You are going through that thing there, Jake. I am. Um, the extra creme de violette has made it sort of, as it's mixed with the syrup from the cherry. Yeah. Uh, it's turned kind of black and it's not, hmm. it's, it's not the prettiest thing to observe at this point. Yeah, mine is also sort of um, brownish. Well, I did say you had pretty healthy amount of syrup. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And also with the lemon, I didn't double strain mine, which I, I actually think this would have made it through the double strainer anyway. Mm-hmm. But with, with the lemon juice, it's a little cloudy and chunky, and that's also gotten dark with the extra creme de violette. I don't tend to double strain. Is that wrong? Or is that just a preference? I'm just lazy, frankly. Honest, not... Honestly, I think if you're willing to shake a cocktail in your own house, you're going above and beyond. Okay. Um, well, I, I love my shaker too much to not shake it. So which shaker are you using these days? I have the beautiful copper shaker. Oh, right. It's, that is, the, the other thing that I appreciate about it that I didn't notice until I started using it is they put a dimple on the, the, the cup, the top cup. Oh, over, so it, over the top of the... Yeah, so it's perfect for, like, that's where your finger goes when you're shaking. Oh, it's, that's amazing. It's lovely. And, and Plus, it's so heavy. Yeah, I need to get one. They, I, it's totally worth it. It makes... It, I'm, I am convinced it makes your cocktail better. Just because it's so pretty. I'm, I'm still just using the... Uh, what's, what's the brand? The Kokiro, Nokiro, whatever it is. Just the Boston Shaker, the tins, the weighted mm-hmm. tins. Uh, from, yeah, they're they're also nice, and they never lock up. Like they always release, mm-hmm. and they never leak. Like best Boston shaker situation ever is those weighted tins from Cocktail Kingdom. I have them, and I'm I I don't have enough confidence in myself to use them yet. Oh, you need to try it. All right, I just don't. <laughs> I don't want to spray everything all over the kitchen or the cat for that matter. Oh, speaking of spraying things all over the kitchen. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. We should uh, talk we should talk about the uh reverse dry shake. Oh, okay. Yeah, go you start. Okay. Cuz you you found this. So, the dry shake is common for any cocktail that has egg white to have a nice thick foam. Um usually the way I'm, uh, the way I always understood it was, you put the egg and your boozes and things in your shaker, and then without adding ice, you would shake that to get everything combined and to start breaking down the egg whites, and then you'd add the ice to chill the drink, and that would be a quick shake basically to get to temperature, and then you'd strain it and you'd have a nice foamy head on your cocktail. Mm-hmm. Which I do. I do do the, the dry shake. Yeah. I do do. I keep saying that. So when I was in Santa Barbara earlier, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was having a good time at their fancy cocktail bar. The one fancy cocktail bar in Santa Barbara is called The Good Lion. Everybody should go there. Um, I went there... Four out of the five nights that I was in Santa Barbara. <laughs> wow. So now you're a regular. Yeah. Uh, 
I literally would walk in and like somebody, one of the bartenders would be like, Hey, Jake's here. <laughs> <laughs> so beyond that embarrassment. No, that's good. It, it, it was good. I, I fell in love with that place. I, I had a great time. And one of the nights I was, I decided I was going to do Mescal. Mm-hmm. So I think I started with one of their on-menu drinks, but then after that, it was just no holds barred. It was like, what's weirder, a Mezcal Corpse Reviver or a Mezcal Ramos? Ooh. And, the, and the bartender would be like, well, uh, Ramos <laughs> is pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, do that. <laughs> Wow. So, so he, wow. He made he made me a mezcal Ramos and he did the reverse dry shake, which is mm-hmm. he put all the ingredients in the shaker, shook it with ice immediately to chill it, and then strained out the ice back into the shaker and then dry shook to develop the foam. Mm-hmm. And it was a great drink. And I was like, so you do it backwards. He's like, oh, yeah, every time it works great. And then I found an article that I shared with you that was probably in Vibe or somebody like that talking about it. Or maybe Tales of the Cocktail website. Yeah, I think Uh, that's right. And uh, apparently with the reverse order, you can control how sort of thick and, you know, almost meringue-like the egg white gets. Like, you can shake the bejesus out of it and just have a really thick foam. So you have more control that way, I guess. Hmm. Well, how do you have more control? How do you know what's going on inside the shaker? Can you feel it? I don't know. I think it's just an experience thing. You need to experiment with it. Play with your eggs? Yes. Um... I, and and I sort of called bullshit because the 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 article that you linked to showed not dry shake, dry shake, reverse dry shake, and the re- resultant foam right. or foaminess. And they claimed like smaller bubbles and mm-hmm. da de da. Um, and my reaction was, so what? I don't drink the foam. The foam <laughs> is kind of the the it's pretty, but especially with this, you know, lip hair, right? It's it's, I I appreciate I, I do know that you want it to be foamy. You don't want it to be eggy, right? Mm-hmm. But I I don't know that I don't know that it's that distinct. What, did you, you so you had it? Did you notice that it was more meringue or tiny bubbly or? Uh, I did not because it was a Ramos, so there's cream involved and all kinds of things. Oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah. So maybe try it with a, a whiskey sour or something, right? I'm curious to try it. So you have, so you basically, do you have to have two shakers then? Because no, you're no. going to, well, you, how do you get it from the shaker? How do you get the ice? You don't dip, you don't you just, spoon the. You just use your, um, what's, what's that strainer called? The non-julep strainer. It's got a name. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. You, you just strain that back into the small cup of your shaker. Oh, if you're just using cup, Boston shaker. Yeah. Okay. Dis- discard the ice. Because I'm thinking of the, 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 the other one. Oh, with the cobbler shaker, yeah, you're, you're in trouble. 
Yeah. You'd need, you'd, you you'd, need you'd at take... least have to have like a pint glass to strain it into and then transfer it back into the cobbler shaker. I And see, I tend to think that because you're using a Boston shaker, you're going to get better foam anyway because there's more air inside to aerate the foaminess. I, this is complete. This is very scientific. I'm being, no, you're shaking your head. No, think about it. If you're, you're using the little cobbler shaker, there's not a lot of air in there. You've got a lot of liquid and the egg and the ice. And, and it's, there's a lot, it's pretty thick. And I, so I think that just by. How small of, is your cobbler shaker? I mean, it's not very big. There, there's and, and, air and, in there. Well, plus if you're doing two cock, do you do two, I, if I'm doing two cocktails, I do them in the same shaker. Absolutely. I'm not going to do one at a time. Absolutely. Yes. And so, and generally speaking, again, I'm a lazy man, and I don't really do a lot of egg whites for me, right? It, it, it's, it's like, ooh, people will be impressed because you, you dot it with the bitters, and you use yeah, the yeah, toothpick, yeah. and you yeah. make the little hearts and shit. Right. So, in, a, in the cobbler shaker, there's not a lot of, you got two drinks, probably, well, just one, I just use one egg white, is that wrong? I use one egg white for two drinks. That's, yeah, that's a little thin, but I do the same. All right. I do the same. Because I don't, um, I don't, I don't want those egg yolks hanging out. Like I save those. Yeah, I, yeah. I use them and, in my scrambled eggs or whatever. And then uh, we also sort of talked about not using egg whites and using um, garbanzo the, garbanzo juice. bean can juice, which has a name, which I've forgotten what it's called. Yeah, it's like agua de faba. Yes, and apparently, so there's a company that's now using that rather than eggs to make mayonnaise. Yeah, as well. Well, because that's the vegan solution. So, I and and they're saying, I've never actually found this to be a a, a, a detriment. The, the like the, that people smell the egg when you use an egg white, but if you're using the, but I'm thinking it's going to smell like beans. I've never heard of anyone smelling the egg. I didn't either. I don't think that's a problem. That's bizarre. Like if you use fresh eggs, which you should. Yes. And uh, at least for the sake of the chickens, I mean. Yeah, and you find, and find you a good place to get eggs and go. shake the hell out of it. Yeah. The other things. Uh, yeah, I don't even smell eggs when I cook eggs i mean no. does the egg have a i don't know what like i mean like hard-boiled eggs those have a scent. yes they definitely have a, they definitely have a scent but i don't notice it in drinks no and the only reason i would use the garbanzo bean juice which just has a just the name just that garbanzo bean juice <laughs> it is out of curiosity because they that that because one article on the internet at San Francisco Chronicle mm. claims that it gets it's it's foamier and it doesn't have the the you don't have to worry about ha- having a bad egg. I don't know. Well, and of... it would be I'm I'm actually curious about it because you could keep it. You could have a bottle of it and keep it. You could do that as well. And I I because I I do make my own hummus because I live in California <laughs> and right next to your uh, guacamole. Uh, no, right next to my um, oh, what is that stuff called? The the stuff that it's yogurt and cucumber and tzatziki. Yes, that shit is amazing. Yeah, it is. And so those two things, um, but I can never remember what it's called except yogurt and cucumber yeah. and stuff. Anyway, that's the reason Greeks have been around this long. I use I do use the 
a bit instead of you instead of adding water to uh, thin my hummus so it's not like a paste, mm-hmm. I just use some of the water that's in the can, which I reserve. Um, this is going way too. This is a lot of detail about how I make hummus, but anyway, I've, I've already my, got my wife juice. will be excited. I've already got the juice. Oh, if she's excited by hummus, tell her mine is also super garlicky. I mm-hmm. add more garlic than you should and super lemony because I like those two flavors. Sure. And then I dust it with uh, smoked paprika. So my wife's secret is actually to use garbanzo flour. Ooh. And it's the smoothest hummus you've ever had. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yep. Huh. I'll have to look that up. I enjoy... I, I do... I I literally just walk away from the processor as it's... Turning, 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 <laughs> just turning, let turning. it go. Yeah, it's got, it goes for like fifteen minutes. It just keeps going and going and going. Because uh, I I know that some people do like it a little bit chunky, and they even like they'll put beans back into the, oh, the no. hummus. No, 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 exactly. I want it silky smooth. I just want it like, mm. and then you put some really good olive oil. And now I'm hungry. <laughs> Hopefully, you had a snack before we had two cocktails. I did, so I'm not I'm not uh, in my cups, as it were, so yeah. to speak. Oh, so I have a new thing, and I want to know if you've heard of this, because it was new to me, and it seems like something that shouldn't have been new to me. (laughs) Okay. But. As you're a man of the world. Well, and once once I tell you what it is, you would think, of course Jake would know about that, but Jake did not know about this. It's called a Ferrari shot. I don't know about this either. It is half Fernet, half Campari. Oh. And it's a shooter. You just down it. Okay. It's oh. awesome. I love it. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that tastes like. It's so good. Because those are really distinct flavors. They blend actually really well. Which Fernet did you use? I used or... the Leopold's. Yes, which is delightful. That stuff is super good. I'm wondering about, like, because, you know, we have Fernet on tap here. Sure. So I should go to a bar and ask Well, about- and the, the friend that told me about this is it's my uh, butcher girlfriend. She uh, said there was some bar in town that has Ferrari shots in one of those, you know, those upside-down bottle Jägermeister things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. you just press the thing up and it dispenses an ounce. <laughs> Anytime you want it. Yeah, so they have they have Ferrari shots just on tap. Well, that makes me want to have one now. Do I? Yes, I can have one now. Should we do one? Should we do one? I think we should do one. Oh, that's because I'm really that's, curious. That sounds like a, a great idea. Let's okay. Do that. All right. <laughs> well, it smells lovely. Actually, chilled mine. Gave it a stir with some ice. Mm. Well, my, um, all my ingredients were already in the fridge. Oh, so, so you're fine. Uh, so, cheers. It's, cheers. It's pretty. It's more red than I expected it mm-hmm. to be. All right. Shoot it. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I get a... Oh, there it is. I was just going to say, I get a lot of Fernet and not much Campari. But I used... Um, the Tempest Fugit Angelico Fernet. Oh, how is that? It is weird. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, 
it's uh, I, I I like the Leopold Brothers, but I couldn't find my Leopold Brothers. I may be out. Mm. Um, okay, now I get it. Yeah, the the. Okay, I would do more of that. I, I think I think it's a great sort of evening closer. <laughs> but I might I might have to I might have to pump the Campari up a bit. Maybe with that particular fernet. Yeah, it is. I don't even know what's in that fernet, but it is a weird fernet. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Next time you guys go out, you should you should see if you can find it and do a round. <clears throat> um. Oh, I do. Wow, it lasts, doesn't it? It it kind of does. Yeah. Hmm. That's a, that would be it's perfect for after dinner too. Uh huh. I mean, it, it's all the like digestive sort of, but it, it's also a fun like bartender shot. Hmm. So. Uh. So I'm reading up about the Fernet del Frate Angelico. It's 88 proof. Hmm. Uh. Oh, sorry. Fernet. Apparently, Fernet. Fernet. Fernet is an historical French surname from the Burgundy region, and it underwent many spelling transformations. Um. Oh, maybe so. They're they're saying that theirs is extremely bitter on its own. So maybe that's why I'm not. It's it's just bitter anyway. Right. Uh, Alo, saffron, quinquina. Gentian, anise, angelica, mint, and myrrh. Yeah, and it, it's actually funny because if you try to look up Ferrari shot, it doesn't exist. So this may be a <laughs> this may be a regionalism. And it, it was this Santa Barbara? I'm, I I already forgot what you said. No, this is local here in Denver. This is uh, I, I hang I hang out with the, a butcher, and she goes out at night, and she tells me about her shenanigans. Yeah, they do have the recipe at Serious Eats. Uh, Michael Deitch is the author. Some drinkers will enjoy this two-ingredient shot, bitter braciness. Others will think of it as Hell's Hazing Ritual. Okay. I love the pants off of it. The Campari Subtle Orange pairs well with Fernet's Misty Fist. Very good writing. Minty fist, yeah. This drink won't convert anyone who hates either Frenet Branca or Campari, but if you love either or both, you should try this. I would agree. I I agree with that assessment, Um, which makes it like the perfect bartender shot. Mm Mm-hmm. Because bartenders are bizarre, and they do like... This seems like a beat... This is a... I don't. I don't mean to imply this isn't a Colorado thing, but this this seems to hit San Francisco right in the gonads. Like, right? They, they yeah. These two things is it's everywhere, and everyone loves them. Mm-hmm. Putting them together, who who thought of that? I feel like next time you go to a place and sit at the bar and get to have time with your bartender. Yep. You you should offer him a Ferrari. This is yeah. I, I him her whichever. But I agree. I and most of most, if not all, of my friends will love this as well. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm actually knowing what I know about Dinah and her sense of bitter. Being, yes, being totally incorrect in my mind. <laughs> she, 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 and Joe both, I think, will love this. Terrence will love it. My friends Ben and Kate, 
Well, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm honestly thinking about like batching these and like having a bottle of these pre pre made. <laughs> yeah, just get home and like get 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 in there. Yeah, because I mean it's not super high alcohol. It's not like it's a, um, it's an appropriate shot. Like, and it's, it's it is pretty. Did you do an ounce to an ounce? Um, half no, ounce, half ounce. I did half ounce, half ounce. Yeah, half and half. Yeah, I, and you're right. It is a. It's very pretty as well. It's, it's a, that deep ruby. I was of. I was actually surprised how red it is. I expected it to be muddier. Hence the name, I assume. Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's that deep red of an Italian sports car. That is a that is a nice discovery. Yeah, I thought so too. I wonder. Uh, so I like I said, I have a whole bunch of bottles of that German stuff. I Which, almost said shit, but. Well, I mean, we're explicit anyway. So. I wonder. Well, but I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> you don't want to disparage. Shit. It's not okay. shit. Which German stuff? You know, the little bottle, uh, little paper wrap bottle. Oh, thing. the Underberger. Yes, and I'm so <laughs> now I'm wondering, like, what does it pair with? Because I'm used to just like you know, dropping that into your mouth and it's selling so, it. The, do you find those bottles extremely frustrating? Yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah, and I I wonder if Cause, they're meant because they, like, you're waiting just... and you're waiting. Yeah, and you hear it like gug 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 gug. Yeah, and it's coating your mouth and your tongue, you, you, and you, you just want to swallow it, and it just keeps coming out and shake it. Super annoying. Yeah, so I'm wondering like if you can get it out of the bottle first and maybe pair it with something because I know a lot of bartenders are using it as an ingredient now, as as a kind of a bitter. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It's I, it's I more frequently. I haven't seen it, a lot of that. It's I I have. Okay. I can't name any offhand, but sure. I, I, I think it's just part of the whole, like, what happens if we do this? Um, and I've seen it also on ice cream. I don't know if you you, oh, yeah. you, you do no, something I, with it. I told you about that. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, like, they open the bottle and they just stick the bottle in the ice so that it sort right. of upside, mingles. Upside, I have seen that. Yeah. It's almost a garnish and a bitter. Yeah. For, like, a... A, a usually sort of a tiki-ish type of drink. Okay, I'm I'm just for you and just for our audience at home. I am going to take Fernet and Unterberg and see what happens. What? I know. All right. I'll, I'll even I'll, I'll mix it all. Look, my hands. I'll mix it all here. I'll be right back. No, but I would have expected him to try Unterberg with Campari. But we'll see. He he went the other direction, and it surprised me. So I I have to I have to open a fresh fresh box. Oh, nice! From your crate. From my crate. Uh, yes. Show me your fernet bottle. Ah. Oh yes, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. It is an odd fernet, but I really like. Uh, Tempest Fugit stuff, so I gave it a, tr- a try. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not the Fernet you're used to, I don't think. Right. It has some of those definite Fernetti, or is it Fernet now? Are we going to have to ask somebody if we're saying this wrong this entire time as well? I, I'm actually steadfastly going to stick with Fernet because I, I think that's, we've Americanized it and it is Fernet. Oh, look, you can get little tiny Unterberg glasses. So oh. you don't have to pour the goddamn thing in your mouth. <laughs> Except you have uh, to pour uh, it into a glass. 
Oh, and and a little truck for the kids apparently, so you can oh sure yeah. ship them because it's for the whole family. And also, I mean, part of the joy of having friends do Unterberg is like watching them with their head tilted up, shaking something into their mouth. So I've literally never looked inside the box, but apparently, if you keep the lids, the tops, there's an award program, which is what all this thing is. So for oh. For ninety six tops, you get the you get the tall glass, and for a hundred and forty four, <laughs> you get you. I don't know if that's a glass. That seems absurd. I think it is. Yeah, Underberg frosted tall. Yeah, two one hundred and ninety two. Whatever. All right. Sorry. Little side. Uh, so we open this. There's my top. Pour it into the glass. I'm doing this all live, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming out slowly but surely. Yeah. You can hear it glug, 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 glug. Shake, shake, shake. Oh, yeah. Very, oh, yeah. See, I, I, I actually mentioned to our listeners that I was surprised you went for Net and Underberg. Thought you'd, oh. You thought think, you'd Underberg as I'm a substitute think, for, for think, Net? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think Campari, all right, I'm, I think you're right. The reason, so I thought of this is the bitter and that is the herbal. But this is both, kind yeah. of, right? It's a, I mean, Underberg and Fernet are really close cousins. All right, all right. Me. Campari, hold on. Or, no. I was going to say, what if Aperol and... No, no, no. No, Aperol's too sweet. Screw yeah. that. Okay, the, the, already the color's not as pretty. It basically looks like Campari. Yeah, it's a little more orangey. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Has it ever struck you as being particularly piney? Oh, that's from the Underberg. Underberg has that. So it's much sweeter than a Ferrari. Okay. Um, also much more bitter. I get I do get a lot of the Campari this time. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um major notes would be pine vanilla. Um Anise. Really? Mm-hmm. It's totally not the same drink as you would imagine. No, yeah. You you might like this one better. Uh, knowing what I know no? We'll see. I, I know some places that I can make do this for me, so Um Wow it again it does linger. What is the what's the alcohol in this? Oh, same, 44%. So it's, uh-huh. an, it's 88 proof as well. So yeah. it's the same as a Fernet. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> that is... I don't know. It's. It, um... I, I still need to try it with the classic Fernet Branca. I, I, yeah. have, I haven't done that. And, and that's what... I, that's right. what that's what people are talking about when they talk about this variety. Yeah, as shot. I said, this, this one's this one's has an, a more unusual mm-hmm. flavor than than just the Bronca. And the Leopold's is delightful, but it's very different from Bronca. Yeah, it's very minty. I think, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. Um, so the Underberg and the Campari. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably a less satisfying drink. Okay. Um, I think if I had if I had had it first, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Mm. But there's definitely the the fernet is better. It's more well rounded. It's 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 just a well fernet has more of a sweet sort of undernote to it. Like, but it's but it's but it's like burnt sugar right. as opposed to this one, which is just sugary. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. one seems. I mean, lighter is the wrong word, but the the fernet version is uh, uh, rounder and, and yeah, exactly. deeper. Uh, and this one is is very kind of surfacey, um, and like yeah. And I think the other one marries better than this one. These 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 I think are fighting. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's my two cents. Live cocktail experimentation. Because I've got a shitload of Underberg. <laughs> that I gotta find something to do with it. That's right. I do. I do enjoy it. It is. It's. It's a lovely. Not what. Uh, it's not an aperitif. It's a digestif. 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 Do, do you ever just like come home from a large meal and down an underberg? Um, tend to not. You you probably should. I probably should because I do <laughs> come home from large meals quite often, and generally what I do is take some aspirin and go to bed. <laughs> so, but wash that aspirin down with an underberg. Yes. Natural herb bitters. It doesn't say what the herbs are. It's very alpiney, like uh, and roots of uh, gentiana, gentiana, yeah. gentian root. So that's uh, that's that uh, weird sort of grassy bitter flavor. But you know, so this, so on off the top of my head, after two cocktails and two shooters, maybe <laughs> what we do like next time, okay, is we take an ingredient that we've got and we. Try to make something out of it, like spur the moment. What if? Ooh, so Iron Chef cocktail. Huh? Iron, <laughs> Iron Chef, <laughs> Iron Chef cocktails. Like I've got, I've got this goddamn bottle of shit that I don't know what to do with. So I'm gonna, because we sort of talked about this in this episode of, of these uh, ingredients that we don't think work together on the face of it, right? But they marry fairly nicely in the glass. So I'm yeah. wondering what other kind of crazy insane like never put these together but we're putting them together (laughs) so the only problem i see with that is like one of us is gonna have like you know a third of a bottle of something it's like i need to use this and the other one's not gonna have that bottle at all no 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 i don't i don't i don't think we need to both make the same thing ah so it's not gonna be a common ingredient it's just... No, I mean you like I the thing I just did here. I was trying to describe to you what the fuck is happening. <clears throat> the kind of the same thing. Like so, our our audience at home can scream in abject terror as we pair, you know, chocolate and Campari or whatever the whatever the things we end up with. Uh, it's interesting. Mm, <laughs> it's just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. But we can start with a a, a good cocktail. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. We, we might want to finish with a good cocktail. Finish with a good cocktail. Yeah, start, <laughs> start with our Frankenstein and end with Sleeping Beauty. Or, yes. I don't know where I'm going that with that. That was a great metaphor. Lance. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Those are the things that I think of when, I, when you're comparing and contrasting. Um, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know how exciting that was for you to watch me 
I loved it. I All loved right. it. All right. We should do more of that. Um, but the Ferrari is a winner, definitely. And and you are right. It, it, it is something to to go to a bar and say, make me a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Frequently, because Dinah has a, a, an encyclopedia of drinks in her head, she'll ask for something <clears throat> and then she'll uh, you know, tell the bartender what it's made of and sure. the bartender gets to taste it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that is good. And I'm adding it to, to my you know, cookbook of, of recipes. Right. So I think the Ferrari and hopefully whatever else we cook up here, my yeah, you're you're dubious and so am I because <laughs> you're probably better at it than I am because I I well I I frequently riff on cocktail recipes but I don't go that far afield like I'm I'm not like trying to like what what did I talk about with the cognac the the fancy stinger yeah like yeah. But you had a, a mezcal uh, Ramos, Ramos. Yeah. So you you you're experimental. You 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 wonder what if. Oh yeah, I, I that's that's how I make up new cocktails. Is I substitute one thing. And do you? So are you? Are you cognizant of like the channels, so to speak? So you've got the bitters, and you've got the sure, yeah, okay. And are you? So are you riffing off something that's? So I, I I think if you want to make a mezcal cocktail, just take a gin recipe and you're going to be ninety percent there. So really, yeah, which I which surpri- it, that surprises people because mezcal and gin don't taste like each other at all. No, 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 no. But, but they, I like them both. They have the same compliments. Like mm. li- lime works well with gin and mezcal. And, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you, I see. They have the same compliments. So. Huh. So a mezcal aviation is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Are you sure? I think it would. <clears throat> All right. Maybe next time. Maybe. Because I've. You I'm, might. You might need to play with the ratios. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The more I think about it, yeah, it might. It I, I, I might sub lime for the lemon, just to mm-hmm. make it more friendly. Yeah, but it would get there, and it would be a totally different drink. It would be totally different. Yeah, interesting. I've never because I always think like if you can make it with gin, you can make it with vodka. Psst. Because, well, you can, you know, I guess you can make anything with vodka if yeah. you just don't want any flavor in it. Right, exactly. Man, we're mean to vodka. We are so mean to vodka, and there, there's backlash to the vodka backlash these days. Like, it's true. Uh, it, we're I, I I I bought a bottle because it does work in some things that nothing else works in. Right. Like what? Bloody Marys. Yeah, I tend to use tequila. You, like, oh really? Yeah, I go Bloody Maria. Um, I have a bad history with tequila, so <laughs> I also do gin Bloody Marys. So wow, see, I I don't I I think there's already so much going on in the Bloody Mary that I you just want the vodka there for the the kick. I I okay. So true story is I tend to get a bottle of vodka and then infuse a bunch of crap into it for my Bloody Marys. So you make a gin? Yeah, but I use All like right. chili peppers and stuff, so it's more like tailor made for bloody marys. Ah. I yeah, I just use those ingredients in the in the tomato juice. Right. So I use horseradish and 
celery salt and balsamic and mm-hmm. I just pepper and all kinds of oh, yeah. stuff. It's a salad in a glass. It is. It's that is that's I love a bloody mary. I have to admit. I, I hardly ever do a bloody mary, but when I do, I'm so happy. Mhm. I went through a bloody mary phase for sure where I was like adding more ingredients and trying things out and having some fun with the garnishes and it, you're right it's like a salad it's a breakfast it's it's everything in a glass well and when you go out like to brunch and brunch is a big thing in denver i assumed also it's it, in San yeah oh Francisco. yeah oh yeah i i oh I, yeah I, I, I kind of have disdain for brunch because I would rather have actual lunch at that time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an egg guy. I love eggs, so I'm I'm all for brunch. Okay. Like, like, I'm, uh, a, I'm also an egg guy, and, but like, I'd like to have breakfast and then lunch. If I go out at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, I want to have lunch. Okay. Um, but most restaurants are still serving their brunch menu. Yeah. And... Places around here do like the Bloody Mary bar where you get like the buffet of accoutrement and you get to (laughs) see the olive tree. Well, no, it's, it's, it's more like pickles and no, 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 no. Things like that. Yeah. And I, I live in Fufu neighborhood. So everything like they have their own Bloody Mary mix, right? Everybody has their own mix. And yeah. So, but they don't go crazy with the. Like you don't even get a celery stalk in it, really. Oh, there, see, there I, is one place though. I, think I will that's say, nice. I take it back. There's a place over on the Embarcadero called Fog City Diner, and one of the garnishes on their Bloody Mary is a deviled egg. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's awesome. Perched I'm precariously. Not, I'm not putting it down for this. I'm like, yes, more, more of that. But it's like balanced. I don't know even know how they do it. It's like balanced on the edge of the glass. They probably it's, cut a little. Slip. It's speared with all the other stuff. I think there's even uh, like um, it's uh, what's on pizza? Pepperoni. Oh, so there's like pepperoni, a deviled egg, um, maybe uh, um, a pepperoncini. Yeah, it's, it's all you know, and it's like this giant speared thing. Yeah, and and I know places that have you know like fried chicken and stuff like that on it. And it's, why, why wouldn't you? It's like no, just. Give me a Bloody Mary and give me my food next to the Bloody Mary. Bottle of Underberg stuck in the top. (laughs) All right, Lance. We are over time. We are way over time. We did shots. We did. 